0: Book Two, Chapter Five of Toussaint Louverture, a Biography and Autobiography. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White, Toussaint Louverture, a Biography and Autobiography, by John Reilly Baird. Book Two, Chapter Five general leclerc advances against toussaint with twenty five thousand men in three divisions intending to overwhelm him near Gouneve. the plan is disconcerted by a check given by toussaint to general rochambeau in the ravine Coulève. the captain-general of the french army having mustered all his disposable forces in the north and received a reinforcement of seven thousand men commenced operations in three divisions, amounting in all to five and twenty thousand men. One division, commanded by General Rochambeau, set out from Fort Dauphine to march to Saint-Michel. The second, led by Diffourneau, advanced from Limbe to occupy Plaissance, and the third, under General Hardy, marching to the centre, went to take possession of Marmalade these three divisions were together with boudet who was to proceed from port-au-prince to effect a junction at guneve in order to surprise toussaint and his headquarters there and put a speedy termination to the war in proportion as the french army forced its way into the interior of the country which was broken by mountains gorges and defiles the conflict became more and more difficult the soldiers were vexed and harassed at having to do with a flying enemy, who, constantly fighting an in ambush, inflicted wounds or death as if from an invisible cause, with perfect impunity to themselves, whether from the speed with which they fled into well-known retreats, or from the height of the mountains on which the sun burnt with a heat intolerable to Europeans. In these marches, which were rather difficult than long, the soldiers suffered from hunger, thirst and extreme lassitude and after the perils and penalties of the ocean they found on the land instead of repose or glory a warfare in which victory brought no honour and defeat entailed deep disgrace and in which victory was purchased by intolerable endurance and defeat was made afflicting by contempt for the foe and disastrous by the revenge which that foe could on his own soil so easily take in quitting Fort Dauphine, Rochambeau traversed a country called Unamente, passed round the north of La Grande Riviere, climbed the black mountain of Gouneve, and descended toward the savannas of La Désolée. The division commanded by Fourneaux took possession of the district of Plaisance, which was treacherously delivered to him by its commander without striking a blow. The division under Hardy scaled and captured the formidable position at bois and carried at the point of the bayonet Marmelade, which was defended by Christophe. The theater of the war lay accordingly on the chain of the mountains which separate the north from the west, and which overtop the heights of Dondin, Villers, and the Black Mountain of Gouneve. In those places, Toussaint had concentrated his inferior army in order to prevent the French, who had landed on three points of the coast from concerting their operations and from surrounding his own troops overwhelming him at once with all their sea and land forces the situation of toussaint had become perilous environed as he was on all sides by advancing foes the peril however was neither unexpected nor unprovided for rochambeau was near la croix lying in the mountains in a line between esther and gounive in order to descend into the plains, he must pass through the Ravine Couleuvre. This ravine was a narrow gorge flanked by precipitous mountains, covered with wood and which swarmed with armed black laborers. Rochambeau, by a movement in this direction, seemed likely to affect great results. He might render himself master of the person of Madame Toussaint, of her sister and her two nieces, who had just arrived at La Croix he might also cut off Toussaint's connection with Desalinet and Belair, and so bring the contest to an end by one blow. It was then necessary for Toussaint to prevent the advance of Rochambeau, unless he was willing to be, the next morning, attacked by all Leclerc's army, in a semicircle, of which the coast, off which lay vessels of war, would have been the diameter. Leaving General Vernet, therefore, in command of his troops at Gounavre, he put himself at the head of a squadron and of the grenadier battalion of his guard, and marched to his habitation at La Croix. Not finding his wife and family on his arrival, he inquired where they were, and at what distance Orchambault might be. He could learn nothing more exact than that, at the news of the enemy's approach, the ladies had sought shelter in the forest. Toussaint, having surveyed the district, made his arrangements for attack. To stop or retard the foe, he closed the defile with trees that were felled and thrown across the narrow path. In the flanks of the two mountains he placed ambuscades that were to fall on the French on their sides and in their rear, at the same time that he would assail them in front, thus surrounding them every way. For fear of being discovered, he lighted no fire during the night. Accompanied by one of his aides de camps and two laborers he went forward to reconnoitre one of his guides having pushed on venturously fell into the midst of an outpost belonging to captured he was put to death without being able even by a cry to warn toussaint of the proximity of his foes having learned all he could that general rejoined his band gave orders for battle and addressed to the soldiers the following speech you are going to fight against enemies who have neither faith, law, nor religion. They promise you liberty. They intend your servitude. Why have so many ships traversed the ocean, if not to throw you again into chains? They disdain to recognize in you submissive children. And if you are not their slaves, you are rebels. The mother country, misled by the consul, is no longer anything for you but a stepmother was there ever a defence more just than yours? Uncover your breasts. You will see them branded by the iron of slavery. During ten years, what did you not undertake for liberty? Your masters slain or put to flight, the English humiliated by defeat, discord extinguished, a land of slavery purified by fire and reviving more beautiful than ever under liberty? These are your labors, and these the fruits of your labors, and the foe wishes to snatch both out of your hands. Already have you left traces of your despair, but for a traitor, Port-au-Prince would be only a heap of ruins, but Léogane, Fort Dauphine, the Cape, that opulent capital of the Antilles, exist no longer. You have carried everywhere consuming fires, the flambeaux of our liberty the steps of our enemies have trodden only on ashes their eyes have encountered nothing but smoking ruins which you have watered with their blood this is the road by which they have come to us what do they hope for have we not all the presages of victory not for their country not for liberty do they fight but to serve the hatred and the ambition of the consul my enemy mine because he is yours their bodies are not mutilated by the punishments of servitude their wives and their children are not near their camps and the graves of their fathers are beyond the ocean this sky these mountains these lands all are strange to them what do i say as soon as they breathe the same air as we their bravery sinks their courage departs fortune seems to have delivered them as victims into our hands those whom the sword spares will be struck dead by an avenging climate their bones will be scattered among these mountains and rocks and tossed about by the waves of our sea never more will they behold their native land never more will they receive the tender embraces of their wives their sisters and their mothers and liberty will reign over their tomb on his side rochambeau too much accustomed to treat the africans with pride and contempt nevertheless thought it prudent to encourage his men by telling them that this day would raise their glory to the highest pitch, since there would be no part of the world which would not be a witness of their triumph, that the Tiber, the Nile, and the Rhine, where they had conquered very formidable adversaries, resounded with the echoes of their exploits, that now they had to combat slaves, who, not daring to look them in the face, were flying on all hands and that they had not come thousands of miles from home to be overcome by a rebellious slave as soon as the day broke toussaint's advanced guard in passing a river encountered the advanced guard of rochambeau which was on its march then the action began the impetuosity of the attack was checked by the bravery of the resistance the troops in ambush pressed forward on the flanks and in the rear of the french who everywhere presented a bold front to the assailants the retrenchment having been opened the conflict became bloody and obstinate now the victory inclined to this side now to that the uncertainty did but inflame the courage of both toussaint was then seen to brave a thousand perils some of his grenadiers yielding a little before the french impetuosity a young officer called back their powers by these words what you desert your general that moment he put himself at the head of a platoon of grenadiers and ascending an eminence which commanded rochambeau's right wing annoyed him with a destructive fire at this moment an officer of dragoons having informed toussaint that his wife and family were behind a mountain not far from the place of action he replied do you see that they take the road to esther i must here perform my duty his duty he did perform regardless of himself he encouraged his men when they vacillated and ever again led them into the fight with such fury did the conflict rage that arms were thrown aside and combatants seizing each other struggled for life and death the field of battle was covered with the slain a decisive effort was necessary putting himself at the head of his grenadiers toussaint rushed to the attack and drove rochambeau over the river where in the morning the fight had begun he then returned and took up a position on his side of the stream the issue remained undecided but toussaint had rescued his family and stopped the impetuous career of rochambeau he had also gained time while christophe by a vigorous defence retarded the advance of de fourneau and of hardy thus had he saved himself from being surrounded on the plain of gounavre like a man of genius he had chosen the place and the time of the combat and in a crisis obtained great advantages retiring toward his center toussaint pitched his camp on the banks of esther there surrounded by his soldiers and his family and covered with a cloak he had only a plank on which to sit and to sleep he passed the greater part of the night in dispatching orders written with his own hand and in going from post to post the next day he sent his wife and family to the mountain known by the name of grand cao which runs in a line with the artibonite his visit to esther however was only for a temporary purpose he was too good a soldier to meet the concentrated forces of the enemy in a level country where with all his valor he would not have been able to prevent his comparatively diminutive army from being crushed his ability to offer any effectual resistance had arisen from the judgment he had employed in making the mountains the seat of the warfare justified in this policy by the success which he had gained he determined to evacuate esther and to collect troops in another mountainous stronghold still more favorable than that in which he had defeated rochambeau a review of the operations of toussaint l'ouverture from the point at which our narrative has arrived shows that the method of his warfare consisted in passive or active resistance which after spreading fire and devastation before the enemy's march withdrew from the coast and made the mountains its center and its bulwark that this plan was carefully weighed and well laid out may be presumed from a knowledge of toussaint's character it was also carried into effect as thoroughly as circumstances permitted if in any respect it failed the failure was owing to no remissness on the part of the great chief. The following letters written by him at the beginning of the campaign may serve to illustrate and confirm these observations, and may conduce to the reader's acquaintance with the character of our hero. Liberty, Equality. The Governor-General to General de Saline, Commander-in-Chief of the Army of the West. Headquarters, Guneve, February 8. 1802. There is no reason for despair, citizen-general, if you can succeed in removing from the troops that have landed the resources offered to them by Port Republican. Endeavor, by all the means of force and address, to set that place on fire. It is constructed entirely of wood. You have only to send into it some faithful emissaries. Are there none under your orders devoted enough for this service?" ah my dear general what a misfortune that there was a traitor in that city and that your orders and mine were not put into execution watch the moment when the garrison shall be weak in consequence of expeditions into the plains and then try to surprise and carry that city falling on it in the rear do not forget while waiting for the rainy season which will rid us of our foes that we have no other resource than destruction and flames bear in mind that the soil bathed with our sweat must not furnish our enemies with the smallest aliment tear up the roads with shot throw corpses and horses into all the fountains burn and annihilate everything in order that those who have come to reduce us to slavery may have before their eyes the image of that hell which they deserve salutation and friendship signed toussaint L'Overture. Toussaint Lovetier, governor of Saint-Domingo, to citizen Domage, brigadier-general, commanding the district of Jurimi. headquarters, Saint-Marc, the 9th of February, 1802. I send to you, my dear general, my aide-de-camp, Chauncey. He conveys to you the present communication, and will tell you from me what I have charged him to make known to you. The whites of France and of the colony, united together, wish to take away our liberty. Many vessels and troops have arrived, which have seized the Cape, Port Republican, and Fort Liberté. The Cape, after a vigorous resistance, has fallen, but the enemy found only a city and country of ashes, the forts were blown up, and everything has been burnt. The town of Port Republican was surrendered to them by the traitor Agé as well as fort bizotton which yielded without striking a blow through the cowardice and the treachery of bardet the general of division de at this moment maintains a cordon at croix de bouquet and all of our other places are on the defensive as jurimi is very strong through its natural advantages you will maintain yourself in it and defend it with the courage which i know you possess raise the laborers in a mass and infuse into them this truth namely that they must distrust those who have received proclamations from the whites of france and who secretly circulate them in order to seduce the friends of liberty i have ordered la plume brigadier-general to set on fire the city of cailles the other towns and all the plains in case he is unable to withstand the enemy's force and then all the troops of the different garrisons and all the laborers "'should go to Jurymy to augment your band. "'You will take measures with General Plume "'for the due execution of these things. "'You will employ the women engaged in agriculture "'in making depots of provisions in great abundance. Endeavour as much as you can to send me news of your position. "'I reckon entirely on you, and leave you absolutely master "'to do everything in order to save us from the most frightful yoke.' Wishing you health. Salutation and friendship. Signed, Toussaint Louverture. End of Book Two, Chapter Five. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista.